It takes years to build a business that sustains a family and is worth passing on. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work closely with clients to provide the financing, cash management, and deposit products necessary to grow a business. So your life's work will continue to prosper once it's in someone else's hands. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your business. Visit sandyspringbank.com business. Credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Stories from the Pack, brought to you by Wolves Fancast. Richard Hobbs here and joining me today, it's the founding father of Wolves Fancast, dare I say the founding father of online Wolves-based content, it's David Evans. You know what, Rich, I love a bloody good return. <laughs> this is so strange, I'm always, the, I, this is like a role reversal here, I'm so used to over the years being the interviewer. And now I'm the interviewee. I'm the bridesmaid that never gets to be the bride. I know. It's, it's, this is almost like your Michael Parkinson moment, <laughs> isn't it? Where <laughs> I'm slightly scared, but we're going to get halfway through this interview and we're going to go, so Rich, can you just tell me about your notable moments as well? Please? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, do, you, do you remember when I was in the last season when I, uh, I left and I sent that tweet saying, yeah, that's my last ever episode of All Fancast. Well, that lasted, what, seven months? I was going to say, I think <laughs> it's... Again. It has only taken us, um, we've done 47 so far as of time of recording. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've made it nearly half a century of podcasts before getting dragged back into the uh, (laughs) the, the quagmire that is Wolves fancast. Uh, But today's a little different. We will probably touch on a little bit about uh, Wolves at the moment. But um, mm -hmm. as we are with stories from the pack, the main aim is to just learn a little bit more about life as a Wolves fan and how it's kind of moulded, I guess, your life in a way, and Mm -hmm. particularly starting something like Wolves Fancast and the impact it's kind of had and helped you develop as a fan. But first and foremost, uh, I was going to say, when did being a Wolves fan start for yourself? Uh, Look, you know, like a lot of people, it kind of came about through my dad, um, basically saying you're a Wolves fan now, (laughs) kind of that's it, only choice. I remember as a kid, like supporting England first, I never really had a team choice. I remember watching, it must have been like an early England friendly, wearing an England top. Um, but yeah, so, and then it just came from that. It was just like, you're all fun now. All right, okay, yeah, fine. That's it. Uh, and that was it, really. It was just, it just came from parent heritage, as it were. Yeah, that the, it, it just was sort of fascinating me how few people genuinely have a choice about being a football fan <laughs> yeah. or, or what team you're a support, you're supporter of, you know. Was... Yeah, I guess as a kid, you don't, question it as much unless you have friends who support a certain team and they kind of bug you about it then you decide to be a supporter of that team usually it's just all right okay yeah go on then i I think especially for like a a one club town slash city as well that it's well you you support this is yeah you know even if your parents or you know your relatives aren't major football fans but Mm. you you can't find a a love for it it's well they're the team who are nearest to me you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the stadium's a bus ride away. Um, what were your sort of first initial memories of Wolves in terms of, I guess, sort of games? Do you remember your first game or even, you know, for me, it, 
my, my first memory, I can't remember what game I went to, but I remember the kit. Yeah, so I don't remember. I've got vague memories of going to my first game. I was with my dad and my uncle. I'm going to say my uncle. Might just be my dad's friend. I don't know. I've never been to your hey, uncle. Hey, All right, okay, it's my uncle. Does, does your dad have a brother when you say this? <laughs> Uh, we were, we were in, uh, all I remember, I think we we're in the Billy Wright upper on the right hand side. Um, and my memory says we played South End at home and we lost 1 0. Now, when I've gone through the, the record books, that game doesn't exist. So, but <laughs> it could have been any score. I know we lost, but I don't know who it was. So, the, after that, the, the next game I properly remember was a two all draw at home with Barnsley. Um, I was so excited because it because I you know I never had a season ticket. It was very much go to a game when we could afford to get a ticket. Um, so I, I obviously like a lot of people of my age. Then obviously I idolised Steve Ball. So to see Steve Ball play in the flesh was a thrill for me. So when he scored, which was the most jammiest goal as well, he I think he had a shot outside the box which deflected off a player, which very very slowly rolled into the net to the point where I'm just surprised no one try to kick it away. I was with all the crowd like, come on, just get over the line. Yes. So I was like obviously ecstatic when he scored. Um yeah, and then kit wise, um the tire mark kit was my first kit. Okay. I uh, memories it was my I'm gonna say fifth or sixth birthday and that was my my main present having the full kit and playing football in the garden on a really nice kind of sunny spring day. Um only years later do people tell you it was the worst kit of all time. Yeah. But I, I love that kit. I still love it now because it maybe was because it was my first kit. But no, if I if I remember if I actually remember to do it, I do want to still go out and buy that retro shirt That's to have it. it. I, I was very lucky that first kit I remember was and it would have been when I was five, so it was a ninety seven ninety eight kit, uh, okay. and it was very the very iconic one with the. I guess the walls almost all overlapping with one another. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, which sort of managed to stand the test of time, um, surprisingly. But I was going to say, you mentioned about getting kits for birthdays, and you know, I, I reckon probably a good five to ten years in a row, mm. consistently, I got a wolf's kit yeah. of some form or another, or, or you know, complete shorts and socks as yeah. well. Now, here's a question. I'm only asking this, and you know what? I'm going to give you a plug because okay. you know what? We're, we're, I'm allowed to. But yep. Dave, Dave um, how, does now do a podcast called mm. um, A Daft Question. Mm-hmm. So my, my question for you is, if you were, <laughs> okay. if you were uh, gifting somebody a kit now, would you wrap it as three individual presents? So shirt in one, socks in another, and shorts in another, or would you wrap it all in one, oh. one present? Good appreciate this is. isn't in the running order. No. But... <laughs> um, does it? Does it? I'm gonna have to ask, ask a, a question back to the question. Does it depend on the age? Oh, maybe. Um, because I would say, if it's a kid, I'd wrap it in separate because it's more presents and you can get away with that. Oh, you've yeah. got more presents. If it was an adult, you just bung it in one. There you go. True. I mean, I'd be interested how many. 20 somethings let's say a buy go for wolves <laughs> kit <laughs> it's quite funny actually with kits because i've i've almost gone slightly complete opposite now with wearing football shirts i don't i very rarely wear a wolf shirt or i very very rarely buy no. a new wolf shirt and um in previous jobs when um people obviously knew i did the podcast 
it's funny when you do a, we'll probably talk about it later when you do a podcast like Wolves Fancast and you run it people think that your life is 24-7 Wolves and that's the only thing you think about 24-7 yeah. um, so um, when people want to get you a gift of some kind they go oh I'll get you a Wolves gift and you're like I do talk about other things you know <laughs> so I went through a, a period where um, if it was either a birthday or something at work or, I, or I'd left a job to go somewhere else the gift I would get would be a wool shirt, which I start opening up going, oh, this is really nice. But they'd put Fancast One on the back. And I always think to myself, I'm not going to wear that in public. No. It, it, <laughs> as it, nice it, as it is and as horrible as it sounds, because I'm not, you know, obviously very kind for the present. I'm like, oh, thanks, Imhead. I'm not going to wear this. You stuff. shouldn't have. You shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. You really shouldn't have. I'm not going to be walking down Molyneux with Fancast One. No, <laughs> you're, you're on a very steep, close, uh, very steep hill going down to wearing Pleasure Dome 69. Yes. It, that, it, it's the pathway, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, we'll, we move, we'll move off shirts in a minute, but the, the last one <laughs> is in terms of, I guess, did you ever have name and number on the back? Because I went through a stage where yeah. I kept switching. So sometimes I have my first name. I have no idea why in hindsight. Sometimes I have my last name and I'd switch up the numbers, but it wasn't in relation to like my birthday. It was like whatever number I was wearing for my Sunday league team. Oh, uh, okay. Time. Yeah. Were you a number on the back, whether it was yeah. playing or just, just think, Evans? Yeah, I think I always had Evans and I, it was always number nine because okay. of Paul. I don't yeah. think I ever went down a different path. Or I might have maybe had Bull one year, I don't remember, but I definitely always had Evans and mm. Nine on there. I can tell you, it, this probably says a lot about my footballing position. I never had number nine on the <laughs> mine. It was no, I had number eight, number 15, number 12, number six. 15 is a point. good one. I had number 15 was my number in my um, junior football team. Um, your neck of the woods now, Schiffnell Europeans. Oh, okay. I remember during, my dad knew the assistant head coach of that team, and that's how I got to join it. And even as a kid, I was, what, maybe nine or ten? I was like, why is it called Europeans? Like, I've never heard of that as a football team name. They must be say, the only team Europeans. I was going to say, if, if the football lexicons are, you know, last names for football teams, yeah. I'd struggle. Add that struggle. to the, what was it? What yeah. programme was that on? Was it Jasper Carrot and... Um, somebody, um, what, what was that program where they had to go through all the football team second names? I remember it as a kid, but Jasper Carrot was in it, but they never had Europeans basically. So no. I'll add that to the list. No, we'll have to add it on. We'll have to add it on. I mean, moving forward, I mean, you mentioned sort of you weren't necessarily a season ticket holder mm. growing up, mm-hmm. you know, you sort of went to games regularly enough. Sort of, how did your match day routine change? Because I feel it's something that it's almost in the fabric of being a fan in terms of how we kind of soak in games, especially mm. when we're younger. So how did it sort of change for you, I guess, going from, you know, the, the first sort of few times you went against stop uh, against um, South end. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, maybe I don't know. It could be in Southampton. Yeah. Just name a team. Um, yeah. And sort of move going forward, I guess. I think when I was a kid, it was very much get there earlier get a program always had to get a program because obviously yeah. i didn't go very much it was it was a token thing to do yeah um and then just kind of maybe get something to eat outside before the game um and then get in i think you know you, you learn when you're older there's no point in turning up very early to a game because you just kind of sit in there uh, i used to get there at two o'clock no yeah. idea why 
But I used to like, you know, as a kid, I used to like get in there, soaking it all in, go through the programme and then go through the match. I remember once when we played Barcelona at home in that pre-season friendly, um, I remember at the end of the game, we got, I got like a jumbo long hot dog. And I kid you not, that, it literally lasted me the afternoon. I think my dad didn't anticipate how slow I was going to eat this <laughs> yeah. hot dog. I remember a bit getting home and I still had a quarter of it still, left. Still had some left. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and then obviously when you when I go to, you know, obviously when, when we can, when I go to games now, it's just very much the case of kind of just getting there at a reasonable time, not too late, so that you can actually just get in and enjoy the game. I mean, programme-wise, it's kind of gone out the window now, sadly. And I always feel bad for people who sell programs because it's such a, a lot of work goes into that mm. from the club who put that together. Um, and I know obviously they've moved to a lot more of a digital aspect now to try and accommodate that. But yeah, I mean, programs like, programs kind of go out the window for me now, sadly. And it's just kind of get there, enjoy the game and get home. I've never been one for kind of going to the pub afterwards. Mm. You know, if there's people I know who arrived to go for a drink for, great. But usually it's just right. Game's over. Thanks very much, everyone. Bye. I'll see Get you later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say I'm weirdly. I think for a lot of people, a drink around the football it, it splits almost into two defined characters categories. You either have one before the game, mm. or you go out for one or two afterwards. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's probably I'm sure there's a lot of people now saying who do both ways round and it's you know it's an all day thing but you know yeah. i feel it's it, it's interesting that i guess with the sort of drinking culture around football that let's say like i, I was never what well, you know I'd, just, I'd be straight onto waterloo road get to the bus stop as quickly as i could because you know they, they the number five notoriously would be a single decker bus on mm. five o'clock on a saturday uh which would always frustrate uh frustrate me I mean, well you know hang on i could, could just go into town for you know, just go Mackey's for yeah, yeah, an hour, yeah. have dinner, and then it's calm. But, you know, I think pro- programs are an interesting one. It seems to be a, a, a shame in a way that that bit of nostalgia's kind of gone in a way. I think the last program I would have had was for the semi final um, against Watford, and it is and like in the it, bin. <laughs> pretty much, it is high, it is almost in hiding. It's, it's you know, it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to look at, I guess. But, <laughs> That sort of nicely brings me on to sort of the next point for me mm. in terms of, I guess, your best and worst moments, I guess, of being a Wolves fan. You know, obviously, over the past 20 years, there's been a few ups and downs. I mm. guess either as a single moment, it doesn't necessarily have to be, oh, well, you know, playoff final, let's say, because mm. I feel that's almost a very much staple one. But I guess anything sort of around it as well around that occasion at any occasion really in terms of best moment yeah because I, I think when I was looking at this I was trying to not go for the obvious because look you know any kind of game where you win promotion or it's a it's a massive moment is With always going to be top unpop- of the- um, Dave's unpopular opinion. The <laughs> yeah. playoff final was my was probably Wolves' most iconic game. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a great game, was it? It was a very yeah. boring game. That playoff it was caught one sided, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was looking at some kind of big games, and, and for me, it's obviously different stories behind it. So I remember um, the one nil against Man United in o three o four with Kenny Miller scoring the winner, yeah. just because I remember being at home watching it. And having to order it on Sky Box Office when you okay. had to order games for that, and it was like a ten. And my dad was moaning, thinking, "Oh, why am I paying a ten for this?" 
and I'm feeling very smug of myself when we won and, and uh, justifying that ten pounds. Um, other than like um, when we beat um, Man City at home two one uh, under McCarthy when Milliasen yeah. had scored, I, remember, I was went to that game and it just for me felt like the first proper scalp that we mm. had in the Premier League. I know we'd beaten Spurs the, the season beforehand away. But because Man City were just starting to become this Galactico side at the time, they had people like um, Balotelli playing. Balotelli, yeah. um, Adebayor, um, David Silva were in there. Joe Hart, you know, they, they were starting to become the team that were about to become at that point. So that was a really good moment to see that win. Um, two different stories again, not at the game, just because I've got these random stories for them. Um, the the funny enough, I say. We don't. Well, I'm not counting promotion games, but when we beat QPR one nil to go up, yeah, I was working at um, a Beacon Radio on the sports show, which was covering the game, uh, and then I was like, basically, my job when I was there was just editing all the highlights. So the hi- live highlights would come in, and I would edit them ready for the show. And um, when I was nervously just sitting there listening, waiting for the final whistle to go for this game. And when the final whistle went, I just did this massive cheer in the office. Quickly realised with all the other eight people who were there, I was the only one who cheered because I was the only Wolves fan. And I just quickly went, yeah, uh, okay, <laughs> carry on and working. Back to the edit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and that was a great, that was a great day because um, obviously the, when I left the studio, the atmosphere down the Techno Road with all the cars coming back from the game, all the horns buzzing, flags out the window, car windows, it was great. Um, and then, strangely, just because of what the euphoria was afterwards, the three-two against Blackburn, where we yeah. lost, but we stayed up again, working at Beacon Radio. But this time, I was actually doing the desk itself and talking to the commentators in the studio while they were doing it. And it was my job because obviously goals were flying in, and Birmingham Spurs scored against Birmingham yeah. last minute. It was my job to constantly update the table as it was in the studio and feed that back to the commentator. Dave, I, I'm scared for you because I know you're, <laughs> you, you are great at many things, but you're not necessarily a numbers person. No, no. So I'm talking about the table. This was the time when um, BBC Sports um, loading speeds wasn't very good and you'd refresh the page and nothing would happen. So I was trying to figure out the table, then quickly figure out the table to see if we, we were safe, were we in the relegation zone, and feed it back to the commentator. And I remember the commentator mentioning on there, oh, we've got David in the studio figuring it out. He's the Carol Vorderman of Beacon Radio. <laughs> so that's my claim to fame. I'm the Carol Vorderman of Beacon Radio. Um, and the other one really is more recent history, the, 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 the game against Besiktas away. Yeah. Um, again, wasn't there. There's a common theme here. But um, the other no, thing I was going to... I think you've you've hit upon upon a really important note. Mm. I think about being a fan, and it's something that you know I'm I'm going to get on my soapbox now because <laughs> you know, despite being an interview about you, I feel like I get the opportunity to say what I like. It's <laughs> um, re- re- what really grinds Rich's gears, time. exactly. Um, but you, you've hit upon something interesting for me, and I mean, let's say, I say I know you're as big of a Wolves fan as anyone, but. There are more people who don't go to Wolves games than do. Mm. And I feel it often gets overlooked in yeah. terms of being a fan. And I think particularly around lockdown, I appreciate that, you know, you don't necessarily center your life around Wolves. Um, mm. But 
you know, it's it's interesting to me that you know sit for for Besiktas games a a really vital mm. one for me, and I remember celebrating that as much as I've probably yeah, celebrated yeah, yeah. any goal. Um, it's, it's interesting on these because you know there's always this debate, isn't there, if it's any, if somebody's more than a fan than somebody else. But then look, you know, people who you know spend the money and go to all the away games, go to all the home games. Very fair play to you. That's very much dedication. But is there is that greater than somebody who lives on the other side of the world who has to get who purposely gets up at three o'clock in the morning to find to list maybe having to listen to the radio just to watch listen to that game? Is that not just dedication? I just I know that's up to debate, but I just think anyone who supports a team and tries to follow them in any way is just as much dedicated as anybody else. Yeah, I think it, it. I think so long as you are actively following that team, however you choose to explore that mm. passion, I guess you know there's some people who, you know, structure their lives and jobs around mm-hmm. supporting a team. Uh, you know, their, their family commitments as well, and you know, I don't. I, 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 if I could I watch Wolves all of the time, I, I'd love to. But I also understand there are a million other one things going mm. on in life sometimes. And, you know, I think sometimes those moments make things more. And I think particularly the playoff final one, I think I, I interviewed when we did um, the interview with Christian Thomas, he mm. didn't go, but he talked about how, you know, the, the atmosphere in the city was. And I think sometimes being a fan doesn't necessarily mean going to games, but it's mm. how you make the most of it. Sometimes that is a great example. Yeah, because yeah. It was this you know, wonderful European night that a handful of Wolves fans essentially got to experience mm. in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, we, we all lived that body goal like, like we were at Molyneux or like like we were in Turkey. Yeah, I mean, with that game for me, it was, it was at my dad's because uh, my dad had BT Sport and I didn't. So we're like, right, okay, anyway game, I'll come around yours and we'll watch the game. And as the game started, I remember sitting there thinking, I'm watching Wolves in the Europa League away to Pesitas. This just isn't real. I remember, you know, as a kid, you know, you you think something like this, you would hope something like this would happen in your lifetime, but you just kind of think, no, because Wolves are very much just a high-end championship team but could never get over the threshold. You just thought, this isn't going to happen. You play football manager, you win everything you can with Wolves, but you just think it's just a fantasy. So when I'm sitting there with my dad and just watching this game, I'm just thinking, I was just more happy in that moment, thinking, you know, me and my dad would watch games all the time and we'd go through all the ups and downs of following the team. But never in our wildest dreams did I think I'd be sitting here with my dad watching this, you know, a, a big European team away. And then the icing on the cake when Bolly scores right at the end and me and my dad are jumping up, celebrating. It was just a fantastic memory. And I just think... You know, hopefully we can get European football back at some point. But I think we, I think we'll learn as the years go on. As as a fan base, we'll actually savour that season mm. in so many different ways. No, definitely. I think for those when we were almost following the initial stages, and we kind of, you know, even beating Torino to qualify for groups, mm. and how huge that was. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it, it was a shame. Bratislava, they couldn't take fans there because that would have been mm. a great outing. And you know, I, I didn't go to any of the European games, so I can't really say. But 
you know, they, they are iconic games in the club's history. Mm. And I think one of the, I mean, I mentioned all the stuff about, oh, well, you know, you're just as big as fans. You don't go to games or whatever. And you know that there's that the, the scales are actually quite heavy yeah, yeah, yeah. to people who don't go. But I think it's interesting, I guess, the reaction when uh, we're in lockdown or, you know, they, they restarted the season and we had, the, you know, we had the Olympiacos game and we had the game against Seville. Mm. And it, it did feel a very different atmosphere that, you know, for yourself, let's say, you know, you watch it with your dad or you go down and watch it with a pub with your mates or, you know, it's that shared experience that don't necessarily, we, we might have missed out on those couple mm. of, you know, even if we weren't able to go to, um, well, I was going to say Olympiacos, you know, we missed out on that. Mm. But uh, Yeah, but and and on that, any bad memories? <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. a lot of them. To me, a lot of them for me were just every single playoff final, sem- playoff semi final defeat <laughs> as a kid. So, every let, year. Let's change the question. What was your worst playoff semi final defeat? <laughs> I think I don't know which one it was because we always just seemed to rotate between Bolton and Crystal Palace yeah. in the in the semi finals. So it was one of the Crystal Palaces. Oh, I'm gonna say we won the first leg. I'm not sure. We always seem to win the first leg and just screw it up in the second leg. But again, it wasn't on the telly, I don't think, the second leg. And I was listening to it on the radio, and I should remember being in my uh, mum and dad's house as a kid in the in the kitchen, listening to the radio, we were losing. I think it was like, I think if we scored, we might have gone through on away goals, I'm not, I'm not sure. But it, as, as it went deeper into the game, you knew it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I remember I was wearing my wool shirt, and I just read, I was sobbing my eyes out. I was holding my badge, my Wolves badge, and I remember just, I was like, come on, Wolves, come on, I was sobbing my eyes out. My mum was taking pity on me for it. But it was that kind of thing as a kid, thinking, oh, you just, we're always so close, and we yeah. can never get over the line. And I think it was even as a kid, that realisation of, I can see for another 15 minutes, nothing's going to change <laughs> into this. We're still going to lose another playoff game. And I think that was, you know, it was that even as a kid, knowing that when is it going to happen? Like when are we actually, are we mm-hmm. ever going to break through this cycle? And that's why, again, the playoff final, when it happened, when we won, I almost still couldn't believe we won because it was so unwolves to do, not only to win a playoff, but to win it in such character, you know, such yeah. commanding style. It was like you're not wolves. This is well, the wolves I know. It's weird when you think about that. They say we we we'd been the nearly men so many times, but only at the semi-final stage it's not like yeah. we kept you know kept you know we got through to the final and we kept losing in the final and almost that one-off game was our undoing mm. it was these double bloody fixtures <laughs> yeah. which which is you know i was gonna say somewhat even worse in a mm. way but you know i think for a a generation of fans of that psyche uh you know of a playoff semi-final is genuinely something that strikes fear mm. into a lot of into a lot of fans and um, I think that, yeah, and I think that kind of psyche has bled into us as we've grown up for that our generation. When there are games when we're two 0 up, I know you know we, the, the 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 FA Cup semi final aside, I think there's a lot of times where we've been up two 0 up in a game, and you still think got time to give this away, haven't we? Yeah, this is Wolves. You know, so many times in the late nineties, we'd have games at home where we'd be winning one nil, and we'd always give away a last minute goal from a corner. It just, I think, those playoff defeats has bled that kind of, like you said, that psyche into us as we've got. Even though we've become a bar a lot this season, a, a great side, that still bleeds through. 
No, it, it really does. I, I, I guess for, it's probably the same for quite a lot of fans across the country. You know, I bet, well, I was going to say a lot of fans have a similar sort of thought process. But, mm. you know, I bet when you look at it, there's around that time period anyway, I can't imagine there's many teams who had to kind of keep going through the, mm. the, the rigmarole, so to speak. Obviously, you've got teams like Derby, probably at the moment, who'd probably uh, feel feel that sort of pain, mm. I guess. Um, I guess sort of moving on to, I was going to say a little bit more present day, but about 10 years ago, um, so a fresh-faced David Evans at university. Go, um, uh, yeah, I'm sort of leading on to sort of talking talking about Wolf's fancast, obviously. Mm. Um, I guess if you could sort of inform the listeners kind of how it started, because I think you know you've sp- spoken to me before. At that point, you weren't necessarily a hugely engaged fan. So no, to speak. yeah. So, so, so I was the same coming out of. I mean, I went away for university and I, mm. I just dropped off mm. for the most part. It's funny, a lot of people I speak to who, when they go to uni, they do just drop off completely. I think I did an interview, one of the first media series episodes I did, when we did one with Tim Spears, he was the same. He was like, went to uni, just wolves went out of the picture. Yeah. Uni life, going out drinking was very much in the picture. Um, so yeah, fancast-wise, because uh, it's funny, because when you, when I used to, you know, even recently, um, when I was doing fancast, People ask you, well, how long are you doing fancast for? And you, you say 13 years. And they go, oh, I thought you've only been around for like a couple of years. I remember when Jake was on the show. Mm. And when he joined, I was like, how did you know about fancast? I was like, oh, I just saw it online. I thought you'd been going for like a couple of years. And I was like, oh, you're young. You are. You are young, aren't you? Uh, but yeah, so, so fancast started um, in uh, originally 2007. Um, I was at university and I was in my last year of uni. Again, I would call myself a bit of a laps fan kind of knew what was going on but not really um i mean before university my last year of sixth form was the huddle season and i'd walls had gone off the radar for me i watched five minutes of a huddle game thought i'm going to turn this off didn't realize years, years later how that was kind of a consensus for all the fans mm-hmm. in the huddle era about the, the play of football um but yeah so i was in last year of uni and i was in a lecture and the lecturer read out uh kind of an email from this company called footballfancast.com who were looking for uh, foot like podcasts for individual teams for the website and I was doing um, the classic what you call Mickey Mouse course the media and comms course at uni and I was trying to pick up um, any kind of experience I could outside the university I really wanted to get into the radio producing I didn't really want to be in front of the mic I wanted to be the person that was putting the shows together so any experience I could get was great. So um, so I kind of applied and then met um, Adam Thompson and Vinnie Banks, um, who were at the same uni, doing the same courses. And then for about seven months, we did uh, what was called Wolves Football Fancast at the time. Monday morning, you used to get to the uni, go in the media suite, record the show on a mini disc, of all things. Wow. <laughs> then we had to go into the editing suite. It had to go into a machine and the show had to render, and it took ages. So we'd then go outside the uni building, um, like the newer uni building um, now by, um, where would you call it? Like, you know, where Royal London is, yeah, stuff like that. Opposite, there used to be, I think it's still there, like a, a greasy spoon cafe called uh, Jay's Cafe, which okay. would do a full English and a cup of tea for £3.50. Wonderful. It was fantastic, absolutely Wonderful. fantastic. So you used to eat that, go back and get the show, put it online. So we did that, and it was really good. Uh, we had a really good laugh with it. Um, and then at the end of uni, me and Adam had finished. Vinny was still doing uni. 
we tried to carry it on. I think in six the six months afterwards, we probably did about five or six shows. Like me and Adam were working. Vinny was obviously in his last year. We just never had the time to do it. So we just kind of paused it really to left it. And then uh, about 18 months later, um, I was then volunteering, as I mentioned, on the, the sports show on Beacon Radio. And Adam was there as well. And we just got talking and we said, why don't we try and start it up again? And we did. And then history follows 10 years later i was gonna say the, the interesting thing is into i guess for dake so you say it was sort of 2007 when it technically yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's sort of early for podcasts yeah way, so i mean obviously you know three four years down the line you know when it i guess properly started as a consistent format but you know i, I say with some very limited. I think I started listening to podcasts. I, won't, I don't listen to the fan cast from the start. I will. How happily, dare you, Rich? I know. I feel How like this. How dare is, you? Get off your the, own show, Rich. Get saying, off your was own. this the right time to admit that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it was only probably around 2010, 2011, where I sort of realised, actually, this is something I actually quite mm. like. So it's interesting that, I guess, not ahead of the curb, so to speak, but actually, you know, what it felt like almost a little bit before. I mean, everyone's yeah. a podcast these days. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it was very early stuff back then. And you, you try and explain, and even back then, even really five years ago, you try and explain what a podcast is mm-hmm. and people you have to grasp the concept a bit. So it was very much, they, I felt that football fancasts were very early adopters. Given that football podcasts and podcasts in general have exploded so much, I'm very surprised that they abandoned the podcast model completely. Yeah, I mean, the only reason why we became Wolves Fancast is because, um, 2012, 2013, I think they just abandoned the podcast model and we were very much like, right, you can go off on your own now, guys. That's why it became Wolves Fancast then. Um, and if again, if you look at podcasts now, you kind of think. Did you make the right choice? No, I mean, like, <laughs> in hindsight, you know, if they appreciate Wolves a Premier League or whatever, but actually if they had a podcast and a, you know, a Chelsea, I think it was a Chelsea football fan cast. Yeah, Chelsea fan cast is, is still cool. going, yeah. You know, I, think, but, I think us and Chelsea are the only two original ones from that stable. You know, if you think about it, if, if they ran a collective of all of these with, you know, a, a proportion of the, advertisement etc etc it's it's quite a powerful model it's you know essentially the athletics um audio yeah it's it's strange because podcasts went through kind of peaks and troughs of popularity and they kind of i think maybe around 2015 they they became quite popular and they waned yeah and it's only really been in the last i would say 18 months where it's just absolutely exploded like like you know it's a it's a topical joke but yeah everybody is doing a podcast nowadays because Part of it is, is the technology to do it is so easy to do yeah. now. It's so easier to um, get the technology to record it, to put it together, to edit it, to, to put it online. Whereas even maybe two or three years ago, it was probably a bit of a science. Well, I mean, we, we used to sort of, do, it almost felt like almost a hidden art, doesn't yeah. it? You know, well, hang on, it, it's a, I think podcasts always used to be described as an online radio show. Yeah, yeah. Which it is, but it isn't. It is just a, it is a record, it is a very structured recorded conversation mm. is the is the easiest way of putting well, it for night of yeah i couldn't i just couldn't get for you because we were literally the only yeah. podcast for years and i just couldn't understand how no one else had done it 
to the point I was like, guys, seriously, it's not that hard to do this. Why is no one doing it? I remember that there was probably a point, I think, I mean, the timings might be there or thereabouts. I think uh, the Express and Stars started theirs. Was it the year? I don't, I don't, I think it was the year um, Frozen took over was when they started. I think. Uh, so that would have been like 27, 2016, 17, maybe. Uh, which for, because they did a version with Tim Nash and a couple of other guys there very briefly. They stopped again. Yeah. And then the version, obviously, that the Wolves Poddy now with Judah started yeah. is the one that probably. Yeah, started along because didn't you didn't you go to Express and start you with a video piece? I did. I do hit the nail on the head that but there was a significant point where we're the only ones, and then Wolf's Potty, and probably in the space of about three years after that, the amount of Wolves content creators has mm. grown exponentially, and you know there'd always be a new one kind of pop through doing something slightly different you know you've got likes of talking wolves now you've got finners on youtube as well mm. and um wolf whistle uh, yeah. you know all kind of well wolf whistles very much different to the other two and i remember sort of you know we'd see a, we'd see something on twitter be like new wolves podcast uh bringing some fresh and we'd always go oh and another one well yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i'm surprised it's taken yeah you know, in and a I- way you know, admittedly, the name clues we know about being a fan cast. We're like, we're not the only football fan, Wolves fans out there. Other people, I, I don't know why yeah. other people aren't recording their thoughts in a way. Yeah, and I think it's quite what 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 we've got now in the communities. We've now got a proper plethora of content creators, and people have got their own mass in where they do it. I think you know, like things like Talking Wolves on YouTube. I think they very much own that space. But you've got people like Destiny Dave as well, who's doing a lot of kind of unique stuff on his as well in terms of his, he does like a post-match kind of live phone-in where people can zoom in, which I don't think anybody else is doing. Um, and I think each podcast itself has its own unique take of how they do it. Although in essence, we're all doing the same thing. But I think what's quite good about that is, you know, all of the shows have its own tone and will appeal to different types of fans which means that there will be a show out there for you that will be more attuned to you you know we were the only ones on the block and there were a lot of people who and still didn't like what Wolves Fancast did but it now means that there are other shows out there that people can listen because perhaps another show is more in tune to what they want to listen to or Wolves Fancast is more in tune to the style that Wolves Fancast do is more in tune to what they do so I think it is good I think my only thing um with 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 Wolves podcast is if you were listening and thinking about starting one up yourself try and come to the party with a different take because you know every you know in essence everybody's doing the same thing apart from Wolf Wolf Whistle everyone is doing the same thing let's review the match let's preview the match if you're going to do one try and do something new try and have a different take on it and that I think is again I'm not trying to kind of self big up Wolves fancast in an interview from Wolves fancast in its in this podcast. One of the things that I always enjoy doing Wolves fancast and what you guys are continuing to do is the variety of stuff that mm. Wolves fancast do. It is not just a every game podcast reviewing it. There are a whole plethora of topics within the Wolves kind of history that the show covers and tries to do or tries to push out and covers different topics so when you listen to the show you know that you are getting 
you, for free, you are getting a very rich tapestry of podcasts to listen to. Yeah, I mean... That's my sales plug, Rich. I was going to say... Go you, download, everybody. Could you put that into a five-star review on iTunes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, you, 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 again, sort of, you know, there's a, there's a thousand fan-cast mm. memories we could, you know, chew the fat on from a couple of very swanky corporate days out. From, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, but we could go through little bits and bobs about orange squash. But, mm. um, you know, I'll, I'll keep it in terms of uh, content-wise for a couple but you know it we've got a really good um you know vein of form in terms of interviewing players either the fan cast for a period of time uh before mm. they came slightly too big for us <laughs> to, to be honest and you know that's no sort of too disrespect to a club so sort of. it's slightly understandable um but i know i guess even from the early days up till about 2017 we kind of and you majoritively got the opportunity to sort of speak to a number of players. Mm. Um, any sort of notable memories from that? Uh, yeah. So look, the first ever one we did proper interview was with my true love, Bjorn Sigurdarsson, yeah. uh, which was a YouTube uh, interview. First video we ever did. I wish I still uh, had the, that. Ah, uh, the old YouTube channel. Ah, uh, the old YouTube before someone hacked it and deleted all that videos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which so, I, I was going to say, minor plug halfway through the, most way through the show um please do feel to check out our new youtube channel which we are now on 600 plus subscribers lots of great content blah 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 do i need to do one of those things where i go across the screen here and say you're gonna edit are you gonna edit that in afterwards david you know me far too well i'm far too lazy for any of that shenanigans um yeah so be also good arson because he was great because um you know the club are very kind at the time to give us that opportunity i think we'd just been relegated to league one um I had um, asked the club just on the off cuff. Paul Berry, who's head of media there, just saying, "Look, you know, friend is there of a the ch- show, friend of the show. Yeah, can, can we can we interview someone?" He was very. And he said, "Look, you know, yeah, give me a name and I'll see what I can do." So I, I mentioned Bjorn. He was like, "Yeah, that's fine. We'll get that sorted." And I think that was, you know, I think I think I I personally owe Paul a lot of thanks because he think I think he took a punt on us in giving us an interview somebody he didn't really know he let somebody turn up to interview a player with a camera anything could happen we weren't a media organization mm. but i very much went into it going no i've been given an opportunity here i'm going to do this in our way to try and make it entertaining but professionally done i'm not going to piss about basically and i hope that because of the opportunities we got afterwards that that faith was repaid but we always great beyond just kind of he got our sense of humour. He got the interview. We asked him absolutely daft questions, ironically. Um, we, um, I remember some of the questions. We, I think we did this thing which no one else had done before, where we just basically asked people on Twitter, give me questions, doesn't matter what they are. They could be stupid. We'll ask them. Um, I remember Ross Watson, who used to write for us, yeah. just sending us a question. I've named my car after Siggy. Ask him how that feels. So we asked him that question. He didn't know how to take the answer to that question. Um, but you know, we, and, and that's why the interview did kind of went so well. Uh, but Siggy was good. Um, Jack Price was always a good interview. Yeah, he's so down to us, so funny. And what was good about Jack as well? He'd always ask you questions in the interview. It wasn't just the that, that free. Not freaked me out. That sounds too too yeah. harsh. But when we did the three hundredth show mm-hmm. and we did yeah. it with. Uh, Cody and Burgoyne. I think we're talking about favourite films, and all of a sudden, so what's yours? Then? 
I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> What's your favourite film? My favourite film is your favourite film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, What's that, your answer? <laughs> yeah, but he was really good. Um, I'm trying to think who else we interviewed. Down there. Scott Goldball was good. Um, but you know that. I think it surprises me how. I mean, obviously they're, they're human beings like the rest mm. of us, but I guess throughout a period of like essentially the jacket rain. Mm. Pretty much all the players we interviewed played under Kenny Jacket, mm. whether they signed under McCarthy or whoever. Um, how just normal they were. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Dave Edwards. Uh, yeah, I remember yeah. sort of jo- joking about, you know, his football. Ma- you know, he was actively joking about his football manager stats to mm. us. He, you know, done silly things for us in the off season in terms of like how many spoons he's got in his kitchen. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's going, yeah, just actually, they're just really yeah, normal. Yeah, yeah down-to-earth guys and i think they hopefully sort of picked up that we were well relatively normal ourselves yeah and i think that's how i used to try and approach interviews because i was thinking when i came into it i was thinking well they've probably had a million interviews do they want to be asked the same question over and over so i tried to come at it at a different angle to try and almost let their guard down to a point where they knew they could feel comfortable just being themselves a bit or just having a bit of a laugh, but not to the point where I was almost taking the piss, as it were. Um, and I think that's why our style throughout the podcast we were doing perpetuated well with the interviews. Like the 300th one, when, you know, I took a risk and it worked, when there was that um, image, not oh, was an image, a little clip going around from one of the games that obviously Wolves kept winning of Cody and um, Nuno hugging a slow motion. Mm. And the first question I said to Cody was like, all right, Cody, no, thanks for being on the show, Cody. So um, can you let me know when um, you and Nuno are going to get an apartment together? Because you obviously get on so well. And instantly, like Jack and Harry just like piss themselves laughing. <laughs> Cody's like, what the hell is going on? I think he even says something to Paul Berry, like, can you, tell me, can you tell me again what I'm doing here? <laughs> uh, but it really works. I think he got the joke and we just had a, a yeah. great time. And I think that was our style was to try and just, you know, so, you know, has to see his questions, but also just have a bit of a relaxed chat as well. So, I guess my final question in terms of interviews and sort of fancast, I guess, who during, I guess, your time as part of a fancast, who would you have liked to interview, and why is the answer Andrea Booty? <laughs> oh, could you imagine if we'd done the Andrea Booty interview? <laughs> that was got, great. After that email. <laughs> So shall I, shall I tell this story? Because we said it on the live show, if people listen. Yeah, I think, I, think, um, I think enough time's passed. Yeah, so I, I think the live show is still available to listen to, to pay yeah. for. So money goes to mine, so go download it. Um, so this is a strange one, because we only got told half the story a few months after it happened. So we'd started to notice that Andre Booty was in the background of every picture of Walter Zenger, like this kind of... Um, mysterious figure. It was o- ominous. He was yeah, in the, yeah. he was in the dugout. He was in the training pitch, press everywhere. He was his shadow, yeah. and um, he was general manager. But no one actually knew what that meant, and it was never described what he did. And I think was it that we? I think we, we, we named talked a show after him. Yeah, well, we, we talked about it on the show, didn't we? We had a joke about it. We had a joke about whether he was actually behind my um, door, <laughs> was... the door behind me in the in the in the. Um, in the, the show the... might have been called something like Booty Call or something yeah, 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 really, yeah. really immature from uh, memory. Uh, yeah, so we did that, and I think we also found on Instagram on his Instagram that he was like an amateur DJ, and he used yes. to set in Ibiza or something like that. So um, we, yes, yeah, so we did the show, and I did all the usual social stuff at the time. And on the Instagram one, I copied his tag on, 
for the show. A couple of days later, Paul Berry emails me. I see Paul Berry, and I think the title was like Andre Booty episode. And I'm thinking, oh crap, what have we done? And it was just really nice email just saying he's he's come to me, he's seen us on Instagram, he's asked me to listen to basically know what we're saying about him. Because obviously our broad wolf black country accents, he was like, What the hell is this? <laughs> so he Paul listened to just kind of trying, you know, basically says what that, that what we said. And apparently he really enjoyed it and really thought it was quite funny. And apparently he said, Right, I'm gonna go on the show. So he Paul was like, Well, we'll you know, let's leave it a bit, but we'll arrange something. Great. Andre Beatty on the show. And then what the, the week after he got sacked, yeah. Um, and I was like, no, we were going to have Andre Booty on the show. Uh, that would have been really good. That would have been a nice kind of that was typical fan cast for me. That type of thing. It wasn't the big star. It was us doing something organically, yeah, being a be- bit of an in joke in the show, and actually coming full circle. I guess, and I, I almost forgot about this. And we're talking about sort of missed opportunities and and little stupid things that have essentially snowballed. Mm. Mark Hamill. Honestly, Mark Hamill would have been the, the ultimate, wouldn't it? That's uh, it. You know what? In, in fact, apart from a wall, somebody like actually, from a wall's perspective, I still would have loved to have interviewed Mick McCarthy. He was a big one for me. I think I would have been too scared to interview Nuno. I just think I'd be crapping myself. Nuno seems like the kind of person that you would just say a sentence and he'd take it in the wrong way and he'd yeah. be sitting in silence for the rest of the interview. Yeah, I, I'd feel like you'd struggle to... A lot of the answers would be very trained and so, not so, necessarily yeah. in, a, in a good way. Nuno, where do you keep your sources? Let me start off with what? that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but Mark, and look... Mark Hamill would have been a nice one just because for me, I felt like it would have been a nice full circle closing that chapter. Even if he came on for five minutes and just talked about that experience from his end, I think that would have been nice. Would that have ever happened? Not in a million years, but it would have still been very nice to have had that kind of full circle closure of that story. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that story's bizarre. I'm not going to go through it again because we've been through that story a million times, but... I wonder if he secretly does watch Wolves now. I hope. Well, I like to hope. You'd be glad to know that we have got someone joining us on this Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if or only. force choking me through the Zoom screen. <laughs> yeah. what's, what's, what's that you say? Um, I, I guess sort of round up sort of our, our chat. And, uh, overall, whether it's Fancast or, you know, outside of Fancast, because I know sort of you've sort of stepped away from that side of things now and, you know, I, I know from when I've not been involved in a fan cast, obviously uh, your you love of football changes. It's different because mm. you're not having to do a certain commitment, let's say different rather than kind of good or bad or whatever. But overall, what does sort of being a Wolves fan sort of mean to you if you're able to sum it up? Um, I think, yeah, you do a show like Fancast for so many years. It is strange stepping outside of it. Um, I don't think it's changed any kind of nervousness <laughs> about watching the game or, um, you know, being happy when we've won, being annoyed when we've lost, depending on the circumstances. Maybe that doesn't perpetuate as much after a game now as it did with fancast, just because you're involved, you're constantly kind of discussing it with fellow fans all the time, whereas now it's not as much. So probably that, you know, the annoyance doesn't probably get to me as much, but it's still there. I think... I think being a fan of Wolves, I think what's great 
is that you know you are part of a club with a real rich history. Now, I know every fan can say that about that team, but I do think that Wolves have this real great historical story of proper ups and downs throughout the decades and whatever part of the generation you followed or was your best period of following, there would have guaranteed been an up and down of following mm. Wolves. And also just knowing that the club has, has actually made some real significance to the game, you know, where Wolves were in the 50s, where, the, you know, the, the little things like, you know, the, the first games under floodlights, the, the fact that we basically created the European Cup, and in essence, basically create the Champions League. Thank you, everybody else. You're welcome. Um, and just, I think, I think the fact that it is a one club, like you mentioned before, it is a one club city, and it is your own club. If that makes sense, it yeah. does have this. It does have a real link to the city. I think having a Molyneux basically in the city centre helps, and I think there is that real connection between the city of Wolverhampton and the club. Um which I think the club utilises very well. Uh, but yeah, I think I think I just feel... I think I just feel it, it, there's a very much an attachment there because of the history. And because as well, you don't really realise how much of a, a kind of underground global force Wolves are as a fan base, how many mm. fans there are around the world because of the significance of the team, especially to the periods like the, the, the 50s and the, the 80s. Um, and how that spread through generations, so it's really nice, nice to be part of. No, I think the um, it, there is something very unspoken about, I guess, the history of a football club and the, the weight that often carries um, a lot of the time. So I think it's definitely sort of something that it, it can be really significant for fans, to say, especially for a um, for a one club town like ours, which you know, actually has been relatively successful over the years compared mm. to others of similar size. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll wrap it up for today because otherwise we could probably knock another kind of couple of hours of content out of this, which <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not against doing, but, yeah. you know, we'll at least break it into a different, you know, different audio. So, you know, we can kind of get that A-cast, uh, get, get A-cast <laughs> and get, get, get up to episode 500 about one minute more quicker. But thank you yeah. very much for joining us, Dave. It's great to have you back on for this uh, special appearance. And uh, yeah. No, thank you very much for having me on. It's, you know, it's been, you know, I'm very proud of the the work that's continuing with FanCast and it's going from strength to strength. And I think when I started this show, years ago I think that's what I wanted it to do I wanted it to be a legacy that could carry on through different generations and yeah you know I think the fact we're going to reach 500 is great and on towards for many many more episodes no but thank you very much for having me on no not a problem hopefully um we'll we'll be able to do something proper for our 500th we Mm -hmm. are uh doing a live quiz imminently more details will be out that depending on when this goes out so i'm just gonna leave it really vague which is what everyone wants when it comes to commitments we're, we're doing something at some point in time yeah. um again i'm trying to work out the scheduling of this so i'll do my little plug for the 500th saying big thanks for everyone who's listened to pretty much any of the last half i was gonna say half a millennium of mm. of, uh, of shows but you know it's, it's a 
is a, is a big number of podcasts. And as I mentioned, how many we've done so far this season, it doesn't take away from the effort that goes in behind the scenes from what is essentially just being a bit of a passion project mm. from Dave and, and, and myself. You know, I've been part of this for like six years, seven years now, I think it is now. And, you know, it, it's great to sort of see that we still have a community of fans who are still kind of interested in sort of hearing what we have to say. And, you know, for those who are sort of still joining us and continue to join us, you know, we always will welcome you with open arms. And hopefully when this lovely pandemic blows over, we can actually see everyone in person again. Yes, exactly. Exactly.